This is The Rabbit Hole with Gary Lyon and Tim Watson for tyre power. Their buying power puts the power in your lane. Follow us on Twitter at Rabbit Hole SEN. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Rabbit Hole, episode <laughs> 19. Uh, you can find us on Twitter uh, at Rabbit Hole SEN. We're here thanks to th- <laughs> tyre power. Save on Toyo. Passenger tyres. I'm all over the shop here. Wispy. Got five hours to clear your throat. Save You're on waiting Toyo. Waiting until you get back on here. Toyo passenger and SUV tyres. <laughs> Buy three, get one free at Tyre Power. How are you? <laughs> something going I'm on. I'm okay. I cleared my throat well ahead of us coming on man, here. I can't hear myself in my What ears. is it? Oh, it's all right. You're right? right? Yep. Okay. Where do, you want to, where do you want to begin today? There's know. so much we need to talk about. Do you want to do the no. reverse rabbit hole first? Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we received. We, we get a lot of feedback on the back of the lots, rabbit hole. Most of it in you know local supermarkets or down the street or wherever we might be. But we did receive an email. Yes. From Alan in Allenswood, and he writes that he. What does he write here? From last week's show. Yes, I question <laughs> the story about the jockeys. Yes. In the Ascot Vale Leisure Centre. Can I jump in? Yes. We haven't set this up properly. So we will do this each week. If there, we said something in the previous week that you either don't believe or you want to question or query, yes. And I don't blame Alan for doing this because you told me a story last week that you and the Essendon boys used to go to Ascot Vale for the swim in the pool. You did two laps and then you go and sit in the in the sauna. Yes. And you walked in and there were three jockeys in there, yep. salting each other up. Yes. Which I said, what that doesn't sound right to me. And you said yes. No. They were there with with like a bucket of salt rubbing each other like a crackling pig. That's right. And Alan now has said I thought I'd walked in on a D grade porn movie. <laughs> and what's Alan said? <laughs> Alan says He says bullshit, basically. That's what he says. He said BS on the fact that you can lose weight by rubbing salt into you while you're in a sauna. Have you done? I've done a lot of uh, research on on it. No, I've done. I just went down the Google hole. And uh, yes, it does. Medically, it's been proven that uh, it releases toxins by rubbing the salt in. It eases inflammation. And it helps to release more fluids. And that's exactly why the jocks would have been in the sauna doing it, because they'd be trying to get as much fluid out of their system as they possibly could, mm-hmm. because they would have had a ride the next day. They've got a ride at a particular weight. They've got to get down to a particular weight. So it has Coxie's some validity. I forgot Coxie doing <laughs> the panel today, and he's just giggling like a little kid. It has validity. And it helps your your skin. It's a great yes. exfoliant. Yes. Uh, it takes the dead skin, cleans the pores. Do you think they were trying to... Get a better glow about them before they went to the race. No, I don't think they were worried about that at all. I don't think they were worried at, about that at all. But uh, what they were worried about was trying to release as much fluid because they got no weight on them at all anyway. Like they like drovers dogs, they were. And here they are just rubbing each other with um, the salt. And, and you um, said one had a string release. wrapped around. <laughs> Sorry? You said one had a string wrapped around him. <laughs> With an apple I, in its mouth. I, I said, no, he had, no, he he had a sprig a of, sprig of, rosemary. of rosemary, yeah. yeah no. And uh, it was, oh. I think it might have been Cobram olive oil, too, that they were rubbing Cobram, into each other. Would have been blood Cobram out. Estate, no a doubt. Beautiful basket. A nice crispy outside to them, they did. <laughs> anyway, so a you nice reckon it's, you've gone and done some homework and you reckon it's true. That's it is true. No, that is true. All that is true. There you go. So that uh, who was that from? Alan. In uh, Allenswood, there you go. Hope we cleared that. Oh, up I had for John you. from Tasmania who called Bullshizen on my on my cricket story last week about really? making the fifty four and the David. Du- well, Al- it's in the record books. Who's it, John? Yeah, no, it is in the record books. Yeah. And I spent three days trying to find the um, tape, the video tape. Right, I couldn't find it, but I'm going to continue on. 
I, I can only tell you this, right. John, that from the from the bottom of my heart and on my three kids' lives, that is exactly what happened. Right. And there's a little bit of feedback too about – this is from a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember who sent the email in, but they were questioning the hole in the toilet wall at the MCC. Well, I did a reenactment of that, so that is true. No, that is, is true. Yeah. That is true. And also, um, <laughs> I don't know whether we – we haven't had this cleared by the administration and the powers that be. Of the MCC committee room, of which you have never been invited, so don't muck this up. No, no, I'm not going to muck it up, but uh, have you're you... not really a part of the establishment. No, who is the boss there? Right now. Yeah, who's the MCC? Freddie Oldfield. So is he back from overseas on his no, he's recruiting Ashes, program? No, he's at the Ashes test, trialling a few holders and right. a few jigglers. <laughs> and the zippers. No, we've got Apparently it's been, it's been hard to get a handle on the zippers. For those that don't understand what we're talking about, there is a famous toilet in the MCC committee room that when you're at the urinal, you yeah. get, there's a window right in front of you so you yes. don't miss a second of the play. And you had a brilliant idea because it is so hard, so hard to get hold of these uh, Taylor Swift concert tickets that your idea is that you could possibly perch yourself in there for the three-and-a-half-hour concert <laughs> And have some sound well, piped in, yeah. and you could watch the whole concert it's a hot, free. Well, it's a hot ticket, and you need that would be males only. If you're a small person, I'm just thinking about how we could double this up so that it couldn't be available for just one person. If you were, if you were short, <laughs> no. could, you, could you put someone <laughs> yes. on your shoulders? No, no. But what you could do is go the other way. What? Get a very tall. Stand on your hands. No, no. Get a very tall person with bowed legs. So and watch between their legs. You shoot between and watch. That's stupid, Tim. <laughs> Come on, that's ridiculous. I tell you what, people are desperate though to get these. They are. They, they are. I mean, no. you say it's stupid. We throw it out there. We're going to be inundated. What would you pay with correspondence? I'm I think. not. So again, people <laughs> that listen to the. Radio show, maybe they don't understand from a rabbit hole point of view. I've got no interest in music, which is just the way I've been wired, so it doesn't yeah. So I would never go. What would you pay to go to a concert? Because these tickets are Taylor Swift I'm talking about. I've got nieces who, and you've mm. got grandchildren. Are they your grandchildren? Yeah, no, Frankie and Winnie would like to go, yeah. and Goldie too. Yeah, so my sisters tell me that, so today's Wednesday at 2 o'clock or whatever. They're all there, got their yeah. computers, and so is half of Australia. And at 2 o'clock, I don't know what happens. They just go bang. Everything will crash. And you, if you get a ticket at the price that it's there, good on you, 300 bucks, whatever it is, what would you pay to go to a concert? What who uh, Who's the one concert you would want to go to, and what would you pay? Mm, that's an interesting question. Uh, the music, I'd probably – I'd pay – the if Springsteen was playing somewhere, yeah. But if if I couldn't afford to pay for a ticket where I could be close to the stage and get a great seat, I don't want to be sitting there with binoculars or noculars trying to watch Springsteen up on stage. No. I mean, I might as well just sit at home in my well, lounge chair and watch a concert. I know, but I'm just trying to work out how much I would pay to get up the front to be able to well, watch. How that. much? Would, oh, that's what I've asked you. Yeah, maybe five hundred. Tight. Or how much would you pay? I wouldn't pay anything to go to a music to go and watch music. But if you were really into it, a thousand bucks you'd pay. No, I wouldn't. No. Tim, no. 
It's not about money. It's about experience. Yeah, I know, but you can have a great experience just sitting at home in your – you've got a media room at home with a massive TV set. You could put it on a DVD or something. You sit there and watch the concert and you think, well, this is better than actually being there. No, it wouldn't. That's a stupid thing to say. Well, I don't think it is a stupid thing to say. <laughs> well, it is. That's why people pay lots of money well, to go to big events. What, Otherwise, they'd be sitting at home watching it on the telly. I know, but you and I are exactly the same when it comes to big events because as, as soon as you say big event, you and I immediately think the same Traffic. thing. Exactly. How are we getting there? Traffic. Where are we going to park? Yeah. Are we going to get it? Can we go by car? Because you and I, this is the thing. You and I grew up in the country, right? And we have the same feeling about stuff. I went to the post office. I went to try and uh, renew my passport during the week down in Port Melbourne. I couldn't get a park outside the front of the post. So I drove home again. And I'm going to try another day when I can get a park. You and I are exactly the same thing. Growing up in the country, we could always park outside, Coxie. Don't look at us like that. We could park outside and drive down to the street, park your car, go into the shop, go back out to your car, and then drive home again. Yeah. That's how we grew up. So if we have to go to a Taylor Swift concert at the MCG- You want might... to drive into the MCG, park underneath, walk upstairs, sit down at the front, watch the concert, leave before the second last song so you beat the traffic and get home. I want to be able to drive out onto the arena and stay in my car <laughs> like I did at the country football and watch the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is true. Isn't that stupid, though? You and I both think exactly the same thing, and that is, oh, too much hard work to get there, too much hard yeah. work. You know, what time do I... And then I'd be thinking while I'm sitting there listening to Taylor Swift and she's into whatever the encore is and she's been going for three hours and it's been an unbelievable concert, all I'm thinking about is I'm looking around, I'm thinking, Gotta beat the traffic. We're all gonna beat the traffic. We have yeah, to leave here. Well, that we means, have to leave here before she finishes. Well you put we shouldn't have been there. Because what happens then is the I would imagine for concert goers it's the build up and it's the euphoria. You're not thinking about how can I get out of here? You're thinking, how good is so I am. <laughs> I'm thinking about how Fair I can enough. beat the traffic and get home. I probably am as well. <laughs> Are you going to do, where, what's the date today? 28th of, of June. June. Are you doing, have you, have you done, and would you ever consider or contemplate doing dry July? What's a dry July? I'll have a, have a random guess. What do you mean? You're not drink, no drinking, alcohol in July. Isn't that what it is? Dry July? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a November that you didn't do the drink, or no, is it July? It's Movin, you grow a mustache. <laughs> Movin, <you, you, laughs> I've been, I, I had it back to front, so I've been growing, I've been growing a mustache in July. Is that what's on your July, not drinking and not drinking in November. Dry July. I've been doing that for years, Coxie. I've had it back to front. <laughs> no wonder people are then looking at me in, Poor in July with a mustache. <laughs> if that's the case, um, would I? Mm. Yeah, easy. Yeah, if it was, I, I could stop. I, I love a I, I love a glass think, of wine, but I, I could stay tomorrow. That. I don't think he could. <laughs> I, could mm. I could easily. I don't do that. think he could, Tim. You're you're a bit hooked. No, on. no, no, no. I haven't got one of those personalities. What are they called? A addictive. I haven't got an addictive personality. I can do that like that, and I could not have a drink for the next six months for whatever reason I chose. But I choose to have a nice Turned sip. A pretty boring person. If that was the case. Well, you need alcohol to be interesting. You do. You? <laughs> not me. You do. <laughs> Do you think, as a general, yeah. ooh, if you, you turn alcohol. up to my joint for a dinner party and you brought, no. you brought in a bottle of mineral water, I go, oh, this will be a big night. Look, this will be an others may. Uh, <laughs> I can be interested. Nicky will go, I oh, know, the wisp's got his Perrier. <laughs> I'll go, oh, shit. No, it's a San Pellegrino. Oh, sorry. Um, I can be interesting with it or without it, well, as you've seen. 
yeah. over the journey that we've travelled together. A lot of people do dry chai. I think it's a good incentive for people to stop drinking. Why do people do it, though? Is there a reason behind it? <sighs> um, there must be. There must be some sort is of a, a fundraiser. There must be a fundraiser. You can yeah. speak on this, Coxie. Yeah, can, there must be a fundraiser, yeah. Cancer, cancer research. Well, that's a great cause. Well, it is a great cause. A great cause. Hey, the test, the second test starts tonight, the Ashes test in England. Uh, Nathan Lyon mm. plays his 100th consecutive game. Unbelievable. That is an unbelievable performance. I feel very close to every 100, ga- 100 tests in a row is unbelievable. That is incredible. I've never asked you this question. Were you flattered when you heard for the first time that his nickname was Gary? Did that, nice, Gary! Did that. Did you straighten up a little bit or not? Fingertips. I was um, no. I didn't. I just thought it was one of those stupid things that wouldn't last. Come on, though. What? Come on, what? Well, it must. You're a great cricket fan. You're hearing it through the effects mic. Yes. Watching the cricket for the first time, and you hear him going, "Gary." Yeah. You must have thought, "Hang on." And you put the two and two together. Well, his oh, nickname's Gary. Yes, I did. <laughs> no, I thought it was one of those things that would is like a passing stupid nickname. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to last to the point where um, he's got a book series out called Nice Gary. You know, that? I didn't know that. Yeah, he's got a kids' book series called Nice Gary, and there was some t-shirts and stuff like that. The, the funniest one was my boys got onto it, of course. Right, and they said, "You know, Dad, that at the MCG, I've got to try and remember this." At the MCG, on the third ball, because that was my number, three, on the third ball of his first over, they're all going to stand and clap and carry on, right, of of his first over. So he did, and you know what happened? He got a wicket. On the third ball of his first over? Yeah. Were you there? No, I wasn't there. I was watching on telly. Did he hold the ball up for you? I had my footage up, (laughs) right? No, but now that now that was when it got strange. When they when he well, when the crowd said, "Oh, this will be a good way to well, whatever do you know, do something a bit different." I missed all this. Yeah. So they and I'm thinking. So who instigated that? Oh, whoever. I've got no idea. But and I'm thinking, one of your boys. <laughs> no. Was it somebody from Channel Nine? Was it a was it a footy show stint? No. Was there a connection to it or not? No, I don't know. I don't. Stunt. I, I don't know anything about how it came about. But I was watching on the TV and. He bowls his second ball and he goes back and then you hear this, you know, re- you know, crowds round of applause and cheering and everything else. And then he comes in and bowls it and he got a wicket with the third ball. Was it the Boxing Day test? Must have been, yeah. That is incredible. Well, I wonder, I wonder where, that? no, it didn't. I wonder where it all came from. Coxie, though. you're nodding your head. I'm not making that up, am I? No, that is true. Well, I don't know where I was. But anyway, he's playing his 100th. It's going to be unbelievable. It's at Lord's. We've won the first test. The fallout from the first test has been incredible. Mm. So interest will be through the roof. They've been very lippy. It, you know what's happened? It's It's been a reversal, right? I thought the Baz Boy – can I ask you this question before you start that? Mm. I thought the whole thing, because McCullum came from New Zealand and they were sort of like these polite – well, they had this reputation of being the polite cricketers. And, yeah, the non-sledges, all that sort of stuff. I thought that's what he was going to bring to the English team. Are you saying that they've gone the other way? Well, they've adapt, adopted the persona of the Australian team, basically, and the Australian team have adopted the persona of English teams in yesteryear, and that is that they're the aggressors. They're the ones who are saying, oh, we lost, but we feel like we've won, mm. and oh, we reckon we've got his measure and all that, and the English under Pat Cummins, oh, sorry, the Australians under Pat Cummins are going, oh, well, let them yap, you know. They, they can say what they want. We'll just go and play and win. So there's been this almost a, a change in the way of the attitudes of the two. 
So they've lost the first test. So now the challenge is, are they going to continue, which they will? I have right. absolutely no doubt. They'll probably double down and try and go even harder. And the Australians will know that's coming and we'll see how they deal with it. Do you think sledging works? Yep. In all the, oh, you do? Yeah. No doubt in your mind. When you played footy and you were pick one, your mark. Yeah, but you're one of the great sledges, which you've acknowledged, which is okay. In the early part of my Yeah, career. well, yeah, but you are. And did, I, did you feel like you could really get under somebody's skin by um, directing certain words in their vicinity? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I did. Yep. And I. And then once you. How did you know I you became had. became a bit more targeted in the. In, in, as time went on. And and sometimes in the heat of the battle, you know, you say things and you yeah. fire away at each other. And I've put my hand up before. I, I made some racial remarks early on in my career, which, you know, was so commonplace in footy, I didn't know any better and then got educated. And, and then from that point on, never did it again. But I continued to sledge if yeah. I thought it was going to help us. So I'd, you know, you'd question people about their courage, for instance, if right. they, you saw them go back with, you know, not go back with a flight and, and sometimes the opposition would have a great sledger who would target our team right. or teammates of mine, and I, that's when I sort of got back on the offensive because if you just sat there and let – Tony Shaw was the best. Tony Shaw just go at some of my teammates. Who would he go after? Oh, who, Stephen Stretchers, you know, who were, right. had, had a moment in a grand final, for instance, right. which was no big deal. Stephen Stretch had a great career. Um, so I'd, rather than just sit there, I'd go, well, I'm going to take it back up to him. Because it's important for him to know that I'm going to back him and support him, and I want, and I'm sure, sure he used to think he could get a you know, big advantage out of it. So I'd try and turn the tables on him, and that become a, a real sledge game. So, what part of Tony Shaw would you target? Which part of his anything slow? Well, he was playing on this day. He wouldn't worry about being talk, called slow. No, he was the master at it. But on this day, where I made a conscious decision, I thought, I thought he'd, he'd had the better of us psychologically, and I was a young captain, right? right. And I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and turn the table. So he played on Andy Lovell this game at Princess Park, at, at um, Victoria Park. And I thought, oh, well, today's the day. So the game started, Andy Lovell's playing on Andy, um, Tony Shaw, and every time Andy Lovell got the footy, I'd just scream at Shawry. Like, wherever I was, I'd just be screaming at him, that's your man, you dog, you know, you, you're letting your team down. This so happened that Andy Lovell had a great first quarter. Right. Like, just dominated. So he'd kick a goal, and I'd follow Shorey back to the centre saying, you know, your team's looking at you, you fatty, you can't even keep up with you. That's, you know, I'd go at it right. and at it and at it. And I won that day. So you're a multitasker. So you could do all that and play at the same time. No, but that was like so a, I couldn't have done that. I could not have done that. But that was like a tactic. Like I, I understand what I you're made saying. a statement to say, yeah. righto, he's he's out sledged us for three or four years. He's got to cop some back, and that's what. So I did it. Yeah, and didn't know. I didn't worry me. Did you ever go in with a pre-planned idea about how you're going to sledge somebody, or just come to you? No, that's the in only the moment. That's the only day where I went in with a preconceived idea that okay. We got a, It was the sledging line in the sand day. <laughs> Enough's enough. Sure he's, sure he's given it to every one of us for the last three years. He's got to cop some back. So I did. Yeah, did could you with others though that you directed sledges towards? Did you feel like they would they were disintegrating in any way? Not really. under the weight of the sledge. No, I wouldn't. I'm, I'm making, because that's the whole idea about. You know, a sledge, I'm making out like I spent my whole time sledging people. No. I, I didn't, but. Um, you know, and you'd pick your mark. There's no good sledge in the, 
you know, the Careys of the world or anyone, they just look at you and laugh. But I do remember one day playing centre half back. Rod Grinder was playing half back flank, and Brett Lovett. So they were my three mm. best mates. Was on the other half back flank. We're playing West Coast at the MCG, and we're beating him. I was playing on Carl Langdon. I don't know who Brett was playing on, but Rod was on a very young Brett Hetty. Yeah, right? just yeah, you know, stars in the sky. Rod was the most reported player in the cob, or one of. So me and Brett. The ball's up there then. We just had a conversation going, oh, I feel for this kid. Jeez, I feel, he's, he, he could possibly murder him. Yeah, you know, like, you don't know what this bloke's capable of. And Brett Eddie, you know, I don't know what he thought. He's just looking at us and I'm going, mate, he's been reported four, you know, 15 times. You got nine. He nearly put, you know, and we just talk conversationally like that. And I reckon that had an effect on him <laughs> to the point where Carl Langdon said, he's up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny how you form relationships or friendships Relationships where you get to know somebody because their locker is next. Oh, yeah. I, I, that was the only reason, yeah, because we I would get to my locker. He was in locker next to me, and we just start talking and stuff like that, and ask him, you know, how was your day and all that type of thing. But it it is just funny how those sort of relationships develop as a result of where you're placed. Think it was the locker. Did you like the locker room? Oh, I loved it. That's a bit that that's a bit that you miss, you know, when you retire. Yeah. Most of all, the dressing room. Being it in is, there, and it, there's, the a, there's a bit of a mystique about it because people don't. But the, the locker room of an eight, well, certainly back when we were playing, were no different to a locker room at suburban level, none, or anywhere. country level. Anyway, now it's different because the facilities are. Everyone's got those slick facilities, and they, you know, they separate the change room mm. to the warm up area, whatever the case may be. Not back in our day. No, no. So we used to have Thursday night training. You train Thursday night. At five o'clock, would normally not go longer than 40, 50 minutes. So you'd be off the track and you never did your heavy weights on Thursday. So you'd do a bit of stretching, probably showered by quarter past six. And often the team wouldn't be read till 8.30. Mm. So you're sitting there oh. for two and a half hours, right? That's when the mischief would start. That, exactly. So you had the soup. Uh, the soup was an absolute non-negotiable. Right. And because you're starving, you'd eat about 15 bits of bread, yeah. five cups of soup, <laughs> and then you're sitting around going, now what do we do? And Chris Connolly used to get we, – we had a lot of characters, these characters at training. Right. We had one fellow called the Songman right. who used to come along. Oh, yes, I've heard about the Songman. Yeah, so he would just – the Songman was a great Melbourne supporter. We had two hours to you – know, mm. you know, quarter past six had come, quarter to seven, and we're still there, no signs. So Chris would get the Songman in, into the rooms – up on the lockers and belt a few songs out. <laughs> did did you he, he belt out a bit, Elvis? <laughs> did did your team well, you ever, did your team ever go through the deep heat phase in the jocks? Yeah, because this this and it was sort of like it just erupted at one point in time, right? So everyone and I don't know who started it, but we would always have like a Kevin Sheedy meeting which always went after the Tuesday night or the Thursday night training session, right? So you used to have to wait for everybody to go through the showers. There's hardly any water, one warm shower, so everyone would be waiting for that one. And uh, you know, some blokes would be down getting a rub. So everyone, you'd have to wait. And it was, it was forever. So then somebody started putting deep heat in the jocks while somebody else was in getting their showers. See, as I said, no different to every club no, room in Australia. Exactly. And I remember I remember this night, because Alan Stoneham was sort of like one of the great pranksters and he got a few people. And we put deep heat in his jocks, right, right. just before the Kevin Sheedy meeting, right? right. So he pulls, he pulls on his, his jocks yeah. and 
No, so it doesn't it doesn't affect you immediately. Anyone that's had DDP, DP in the jocks, you can't feel it straight away. The heat, a little it, tingle around the nose. That's, really. that's it. It just it builds. So <laughs> he's sitting there. There's a few of us. About half a dozen of us know that he's got the deep heat in his jocks. Sheets calls the meeting, which goes for about an hour, right? Oh. And I'm watching him, right? And he just starts to <laughs> just move a little bit. In his seat, and then a little bit more. He doesn't want to let on though, that he's got DP in his jocks, right? So he doesn't want anyone to have the, the the satisfaction of knowing that they've got him, right? So he's he's, he's just moving around a bit more, moving around, and then I'm starting to see <laughs> beads of sweat, beads of sweat, just coming down from his forehead, <laughs> and then they're building and building almost like a waterfall, right? So the meeting goes on forever, right? So he still – he doesn't say anything, right? And then he hops in his car, right? And I'm following him because I lived around the corner from him. I see him pull over to the side. No, he, he finds He finds a puddle on the side of the road. No, he Down didn't. with his jacky pants. Oh. And he sits there in the What, he's resting his nurries into a puddle? Yes, he, he did has. not do that. 100% he did. 100%. Refused to allow anyone to see that he might have been in discomfort. What a player. Unbelievable performance. Eternal strength. Unbelievable performance. We, I'm going to tell you a quick story about, because we're talking about footy club rooms. These are the memories that I have that most dear. We had these two beautiful older ladies that um, used to billet players. Yes. Dot and Lorna were their names. Um, and they had, I don't know how many, six, seven, eight players from the country. You know, the Phoebe boys came through, all these players. And they loved Melbourne like no one else. And they were the most beautiful ladies. And they used to, Thursday night, put on roast, soup, a roast, and then a dessert for a special group of players, mainly country boys that had left their mums. You know? Right. So Connells, Rod Grinter, myself, Dave Williams, and the, and the boys that used to stay there, the, you know, whether it's Phoebe's or whatever. And... It, that was the most sought after, and we'd have a guest right. every every Thursday night. Right. So that was the most sought after seat we used to say since the MCC. So Thursdays, yeah, Swooper Nords would be doing his meetings. All we're worried, all we're th- all we're thinking about, I swear to God, is the roast at Dot and Lawrence. <laughs> so we're going, oh, come on, hurry up, Swooper. He's going, oh, this is the game plan. And we're going, hurry up. As soon as he goes, right up, see Saturday, bang, out the door. <laughs> These six blokes would fly out the door into their cars. They lived in Northcote, so we'd go from the Junction Oval up Punt Road. Dave Williams was like a Formula One driver. <laughs> he was the craziest <laughs> bastard you've ever seen. And oftentimes we would get there. So he, he, he was also very – get a lot of treatment and that. So we'd get there before him. And right. We'd, we'd be there with our bowl of soup. Next minute you'd just hear this massive screech. <laughs> no one would even look up. Dirty's arrived. <laughs> and then Connells, after a while, Balls and Connells – he started a book, like a minutes of the meeting. Right. So somewhere there's a there's a book of two years of meetings that we used to talk about all the social stuff and we'd have an in, and then Dot and Lorna would be in the kitchen. They'd just bring the soup out and then, and then they'd bring this big massive roast out and then they'd bring dessert. How they magnificent! Absolutely loved it, and it was the highlight of our week. Did you take them some flowers always. or chockies? Oh, or no, always. Everyone they got. We looked after them both so very well. They were just beautiful. We used to have a big Christmas party around, around there and everything. So that was that was great. Those were the good old days. You're listening to The Rabbit Hole for tyre power. Get your free five-minute tyre safety check. Oh, I love talking about those old days in the footy club rooms. They're just, they're, 
so different. Like today, they're full time. Yeah. So they get there at seven in the morning. They're off at three. Yep. That that, that time between five and eight. Oh, at we, the footy club. We used to have uh, four or five ladies, and um, they would come every Thursday night, and they would cook us dinner. We never know. got dinner. Oh, no, we always got dinner on Thursday oh, night. So, so it was like a three-course meal on a Thursday night with apple pie and I know. Cream. Well, we used to look at your, your club as being one of the richest clubs in the competition. No, but they would put it on themselves. I know. It didn't matter. We couldn't get a crust, <laughs> half a crusty roll <laughs> and some soup. Oh, we used to just sit there and laugh and then, you know, somebody would get a cup of tea and then they'd start sort of tilting the table so that it would, you know, spill. Just oh, those stupid things that we used to do I'll, I'll tell you as quick, grown men just to amuse ourselves. Think, it's so vivid in my memory. John Sell was our team manager, the great man. I remember him, yeah. yeah. Soft, soft Sell. So then he'd walk out at whatever time, any time between seven and nine. Right. And he'd have one bit of paper. To read the two. Cox, yeah. this is how it used to go. And as soon as he'd come through the door, no, and actually in the build up to that, when he'd walk out and he'd go, uh, Coxie, come with me. Everyone go, oh, oh <laughs> poor bastard. He's been dropped. He's been dropped. <laughs> and then he'd come out with his one sheet of paper. Right, this is a team. And then everyone just shut up. There'd be a few supporters, yep. you know, yep. like sponsors or whatever. Yep. And he'd go from the back line. He'd read the team out. Da, 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 da. Interchange, you know, you'd be right on the edge, Coxie, because you wouldn't be in the main team, but you'd be on the edge. <laughs> so I go, the interchange is uh, Johnson, and you'd be holding your breath, uh, Watson. Oh, right, no. team meeting, and that that's it. Then you, oh, you just had to pick your bag off and bugger off and get to the ground at 10 o'clock on Saturday. That's how it used to work. Well, even before then, before that time when you actually had the team read out on a Thursday night, used to have to pick up the paper on the Saturday morning. When I first arrived at Essen back in 1977. Well, you worked out if you were playing in the paper. You picked up the paper, the Herald well, Sun. you couldn't read? <laughs> <laughs> well, that wasn't a problem for anybody. <laughs> but you would have to pick up the paper the next morning and read to on find out. On the Friday. On the Friday Not morning. Not the Saturday. No, no, on the Friday yeah, yeah. before the game. You Be- said Saturday. Oh, sorry. Well, I meant to say Friday. On the Friday morning before the game, you'd have to go and buy the paper to find out whether or not you're in the team. I would have preferred that. <laughs> Sitting around. No, we loved it. Anyway, it comes out one day my first year. I'm having my first year of footy playing. Yeah, you know, pretty good. Good first year. Yeah, if you don't say so, don't yourself. Say. Yeah. He reads the team out, right? Look at him, Coxie. Yeah, yeah look at him. Well, this uh, rising star. Anyway, he reads it. That's not, that's not important. He reads the team out and he goes, all right, that's the team. Puts it down. My name wasn't read out, right? So I'm just sitting there going, wow, I thought I was going better than that. Did you burst out crying? <laughs> I felt like it. So I picked my bag up to go home and get drive to the ground on Saturday and as I'm walking out I must have my face must have dropped he goes Johnny Sell walks past me he goes what's wrong with you I said oh well you know you're playing the seconds he goes what do you mean you're playing the seconds I go, he didn't read me no man he goes oh yeah there you are ah oh, Ford I said well you didn't read it you did <laughs> oh sorry about that I was going I was going home um, you had been on the phone. Bev, get me out of here. <laughs> Bev. Get me to Essendon with the wisp. Bev. They left me out of the team. I've been POG the last three yeah. weeks. They've left McGarity oh, out. It's true too. Um, well, what do you got? I've got um, – I wanted to talk to you about this because uh, Susie said this – is, this is a true story, okay? This is her exact words that she's found this massive black cat down at Claire Maggie. Up in the tree. Like pumpkin. Well, no, it wasn't a pumpkin. It was a massive black 
panther-like oh, cat. yeah. What do you mean she found it in the tree? Well, it was up in a tree. You know, big cats- Did you take cats, a photo of it? No, but big cats climb up in trees. You know that, don't you? Like, you know, leopards and jaguars and- yes. They all climb panther. They all climb up into trees. Yeah, that. She thought that it might have been the um, rarely photographed but often seen black panther that wanders oh, around Gippsland. You've wandered right into my rabbit hole. What do you mean? I have seen one. No, you haven't. Did Susie get a photo of it? No, she didn't. Did you? Well, I'll tell you my story. But was it a feral cat that was bigger than a normal cat? Yeah, that's what he, she said. It was an oversized feral cat. Yeah. And this is so what happened. not a panther. Well, no, but- That's not a panther, but, Susie. That's a, a big, fat, feral cat. A big, yeah, but a, biggie, a bigger a big cat. One, yeah, yeah, bigger than a moggy, bigger than the cat you're going to have a domestic cat at home. Mm. And they go into the bush, they get wild, and then they breed, and then they just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's why people think they see panthers, well, which did is see what one. you think you saw. I did see one. At the Inverloch, uh, so Lingath at South Golf Course. That's a, that's a well-told story. When I, I was playing golf with my cousin, and I walked onto the tenth hole of Lingath South on a Friday morning at about mm, seven thirty, and I walked up and stared one in the eye, and it looked back at me, and I started screaming yeah. to my cousin. How far away were you? Ten five meters. Five metres. Right. It was an elevated tee box and he was down in the scrub. Right. And I started yelling at Dave, my cousin, get up here, get up here. And then this thing just went, took off through the bush, through the um, bracken and the fern. And by the time he got there, I said, did you see it? He goes, no, no, I did not. But I could feel it. When it ran when it ran through the the brush, he could feel the ground going. He could feel it. Yes. (laughs) I'll ring him up. That's a well-crafted story you've told me. That's he right. could feel the cat running through the bushes. <laughs> oh, what are you laughing at, Coxies? Yes, he did. Okay. How big was it? Big. No, but how big is like big? Like a panther big. Like a big panther tiger yeah, size. panther. Right. So you would you would swear on a stack of Bibles that you saw yes. something that wasn't a yes. domestic cat yes. that had gone wild. Yes. Had you been drinking? What time of the day? Seven was? o'clock in the morning. Were you just getting home? No. And I, I watched it anyway. Bounded through the um, bracken. How did it go again? Brounded. Brounded. You got some sound effects. <laughs> through the bracken. Sitting there laughing. Put some sound effects into the story, please, for goodness sake. It doesn't. You must have a bounding, a big cat bounding sound effect there somewhere. It doesn't need sound effects. <laughs> I finished my golf, mm. shaken, <laughs> shaken, yeah. and went back to Melbourne on 3AWs. I was going in on 3AW on a Friday right. with Ernie Sigley. Right. And I went in on that Friday in the afternoon. He goes, what, what have you been doing? I said, I was at golf. You know. I said, I saw a black panther. And I, I normally used to do like 10 minutes of sport, right. whatever. We, spot. we did an hour. <laughs> talk back blew up. The panther sightings everywhere. <laughs> and every time I talk about it, there's someone out there that's seen a black panther. Well, a lot of people believe that they have, but I think probably- I don't care if there is or there isn't. Why no, would I that, care if there isn't? No, well, you don't well, what care. what do you think happened? You don't believe me. Well, no, I don't believe you because I what think- What do you mean you don't Well, I just me? think that you've seen an oversized uh, moggy like no, Susie saw up in the tree. The bracken was like three foot high. Yeah, if it was a cat, it would be down underneath all the- Yeah, no, a big cat. A big yeah, cat. Yeah, panther. Yeah, but maybe it's a crossbred with a wild dog or something like that. Maybe they've been mating. Well, it didn't bark the for a start. <laughs> what a, what's a cross between a dog and a cat? What What's that look like? Well, I don't know, but- Stupid. <laughs> Jesus, what am I dealing with? There's wild a dogs, dogs, a dog's and mated cats. with a cat, and that's what the whisper is. You get some feedback about this. There'll be people that send emails in about that's this okay. that they've seen a cross between a big cat and a big dog. 
the cat and the dog has never, to my knowledge, bred together. Well, you don't know what happens when they anyway. Get there I did walk. some reading on it and listened to all the talkback callers and, and all of the the narrative around it was it's, it goes back to the World War. The American troops had a Black Panther as a mascot. A mascot, yeah, I know. Heard all this. <laughs> well, why don't you believe me? Because I just don't believe the it. The mascot escaped, and now here we go. Okay, so here's here's the thing. I know enough about I know enough about medical science to know this. You can't breed on your own, right? So if you had you've tried a few, if you had if you had a, one panther that was a mascot, yeah. and say it was a male or a female, it would need to find a male or a female partner before they could breed and have any offspring. And they can't they a can't, big feral cat. Well, it can't be the same feral cat that came out here. Well, what for if the a feral World cat bred with bred with the panther? Well. Maybe that's a possibility. Thank you. Maybe, maybe, but I'm not sure whether or not that well, would I'm, be a perfect. Anyway, I'm either. not making it up. You, you, Susie, I'm a bit doubtful what she saw, but I actually saw it, and uh, there have been multiple sightings all around the place, and can, that's what I saw. Can I uh, just before um, we do anything else, yeah. I just want to put this topic out there too mm. because it's called. I'll headline this topic: the art of the negotiation. Right, and this is. It came to my attention, a friend of mine accepted a fee to do a particular function before the finals this year. And then this friend has another friend who was also contacted by the same organisation to do the same function yep. where they're required to be part of a panel for yes. half an hour before- yep. I'm with you. On a Thursday before the grand final. Yes, I hear The it. first person, my first friend, he negotiated a fee for himself, which yep. he was very happy and okay. satisfied with. Negotiated for who? For himself. Right. Right. So for himself, mm. a fee mm -hmm. that he was happy with, right? Good. And then his friend who was contacted by the organiser yes. of the luncheon said to the organiser, well, are there any sheets involved? And the guy said, of course. He said, it's this amount. And this person said, well, I wouldn't be doing it for that amount. And the organiser said, well, how much do you want? And he asked for a significant <laughs> amount of money more than his friend had already negotiated. <laughs> and, then, and then this person who negotiated the higher fee went back to the friend and said, you are an effing idiot. You're trying to drive down the price of these particular functions. What do you think about that? Have you, got right. any, have you got anything to add? So Tim was asked to do a function, <laughs> and he goes, yes, I will. And the bloke said, right, here you go. This is what I'm paying. Tim goes, great. And then yep. he asked I was me, happy with and it. I forgot to get back to him, and mm. then he rang me the other day. He said, oh, can you do this function? I said, oh, I think grand final. Like, oh, yeah. He goes, your mate's doing it. Yep. I said, oh, all right. That right. would be me. Yep. Oh, okay. I'll go along. I didn't mention a dollar figure at all. No. I said, yeah, I'll do that. Yep, no worries. And then he sends a confirmation with the fee. Right. And I text him back and said, look, with the greatest of respect, the Wisp's underselling him. So he's gone very low and good on you for getting him at that price. But I'm not. it's a busy week, Grandfather. I've got a few options. So I said, I wouldn't be doing it. I said, absolutely fine. Go, yeah, you know, find someone else. Yeah, find someone else. Yeah. He came back he's, with, with my fee, my proposed fee. He said, yeah. no problem. Right. How do you feel? Flat. <laughs> Really flat. Well, you, you went too low. 
I know I've done that all my career. Though. Yeah. I think I've done that all my career. But having that's said a, that, it's admirable in some way. But... Uh, very admirable. Having said that, I've never had a I've never had a standoff as far as negotiation goes for anything that I've ever done. But it's not. A standoff. I've never had a well, breakdown. Well, that means you've been screwed your whole life. I think that too. No, I actually think you're right. right. Well, nothing, but I feel comfortable about yeah, that. Yeah, there's no yeah, harm in I it. I do. Yeah. And you haven't been ripped. Like, you would have made some more money. Well, yeah. No, exactly. It's not about, but life's not about money anyway. No, it's, it's not about, about being money. comfortable with what you're at. Yeah, but it's about knowing what you're worth, though, too, isn't yeah. it? But now you know I'm getting more than you. <laughs> <laughs> in everything that we do. No, just yeah. in that no, lunch. Just no. in that lunch. No, that just gave me an insight as to no, probably what's taken place at SEN. You've got to be prepared station. to walk away. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I've never been that. I've always wanted to be safely sort of just um, employed. Have you got any advice for what are we up to? I've got plenty of time yet. Well, we can have as much. We can do it two hours if we want. No, uh, probably not. <laughs> At school holidays, mm. did you used to have a when you were young? Mm. What was your what was it in the school holidays that you used to do that was made you look forward to holidays so much? Apart from not uh, having to go to school. Well, Mum and Auntie Lynn, they used to hire a little house at Halls Gap. And Jeez. the two families of kids used to go there. We used to get, I think we got 10 cents a week, which was, was, Lynn, was, which was your mum's mum, sister? Uh, sister-in-law. Right. Yeah. So mum's um, husband and Lynn's husband were brothers. So we'd get 10 cents a week. We'd be able to buy five choo-choo bars, which would keep us going for a choo-choo bar would keep us going for a day. Rip a couple of teeth out. And then we would take off after breakfast and then we would head up into the rocks and then we would just go... Hiking for the day. Mm. It was the most unbelievable. Good parents. Well, in fact, when you think about it, they were a little bit trusting of us. Well, that's that's the way the world was back then. There wasn't as much to fear. Because you could get into some trouble, like climbing over. Where's Hall's Gap? Zumsteins. Halfway between, oh, at at the back of Stall. So you turn at Stall. That's pretty flash, pretty wealthy. Oh, no, no, no. Take a house for the the holidays. It would have been cheap, Gary. It would have been cheap. I'm not sure. My parents had no money at all. Did you camp? Like, no, no, we're in the house. Like the two families were in the house, inside the house. Sauna? No, no, sauna. Cool. <laughs> no, joking, aren't you? There was barely one bathroom. Right, so then you went off and did like farming, like uh, bush stuff. No, we would bush just- Bush walks. We, we would have to- This is the traps thing. Traps and rabbits. The door would open in the morning. Yep. The mums would say, out you go, yep. go and entertain yourselves. Yep. And we would entertain ourselves. And the oldest kid would look after the youngest kid and everybody- The rule was, get back before dark. Wow. What about you? What did you do? Yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't, We couldn't afford to take a house. You would have been going to Queensland or Hawaii or somewhere. No, no it was Melbourne or same thing. My cousins who I grew up with, who I loved, and mum's sister. So they we lived in Melbourne. So often if I went to Melbourne, then one of the cousins would come back to Kyabram. and oh, exchange program. Yeah. That's and you know the biggest highlight of the <laughs> highlight of the um, coming to Melbourne KFC used to tick off a few things. McDonald's, McDonald's yes. that was a um, a holiday school holiday highlight. Mm. The Vic Market, yeah, that was like going to another world. Yes, for us country kids, we didn't go there. We couldn't afford it. <laughs> we didn't buy anything. We just hoped that a stray something would fall off a table. Yeah. And the Nutterwadding indoor heated pool that was the pista resistance. The Nutterwadding heated yeah. pool. That was his, well, How'd you find that? Well, we that, well, my cousins lived in Burwood, oh, so they're way out there. Right. That was the best thing ever. Right. I never got so excited. In fact, I spent that much time there. 
my eyes would be red for three months after. <laughs> the chlorine would dye my eyes red for and three months. I come back to school, they go, what's wrong with your eyes? I so, so went to Nunawadding Pool and swam in there for about three weeks. What a great day that uh, was. That is so funny. A heated pool. Uh, unheard of. A heated pool. Well, I feel for the the parents of today with their kids in school hol- school holidays. Oh yeah, it's like they've got to find some unbelievable activity activity every day. My my daughter's going through the same thing now, trying to find some great thing that they can keep them entertained with every day. I could go to the Oval in Ky- if it was the other way around, and it was the turn for my cousin to come to Kyabram. Mm. We could go to the Footy Oval at nine in the morning. Mm. And kick the ball until it was lunch. Same. Kick a footy until lunch. Like you'd have a spell. Yep. yep. Have a, have a coke or yep. a tab. Yep. And then start doing torps. Yep. And then doing bananas. Yep. And then you'd realise, oh, it's twelve o'clock. I've been here three hours and go home. Hundred percent. That's exactly what we did too. You'd round up some kids on your way down to the oval. You'd drop into their places. You'd ride your bikes down to the oval. And you'd, we used to halve the main ground, so we'd put our jumpers down as the uh, point post and the goal post. So that was sort of like uh, yeah. one end of the ground. You'd use the goal post at the other. You'd have a match. And you'd have a match. you just have a pickup match. We, and you'd entertain yourself for hours yeah. and hours and hours and hours. Hey, you just reminded me before, we didn't go to Melbourne very often, only a few times when we were kids, right? And Dad used to love KFC. So <laughs> he would pull into the KFC. He'd buy this massive bucket. The biggest family bucket of chicken he could buy, wow. and some of the potato and the gravy. Can you oh, remember the potato the and the mash, gravy? The potato mash. There might have been. There was probably about six. Coxie's dribbling <laughs> in his mouth. There might have been sixteen or eighteen pieces of chicken. <laughs> Dad have sixteen of them if there was eighteen, and he'd throw a couple over in the back seat for the five of us to, to scramble around and fight over. I tell you what, you could lick. Uh, you could lick those bones. Oh. You could polish them. We you only got two two pieces of chicken between five of you. We weren't that lucky to be able to go to Kentucky, <laughs> but we would leave Kyabram in the car, four kids in the back seat, yeah, and then in the bench seat, go to the fish and chip shop and get five cents each and, and wrap it up in the newspaper, and then everyone had their hot oh, chips. You could hardly eat five the cents. Vinegar, right? away you go. Was Pancha smoker? Oh, damn straight he was. When he was driving? Damn straight. Did he just leave the window just down No, a he liked bit? the full cabin full of smoke. <laughs> <laughs> he used to smoke everyone out. Is there, any, is there anyone back there? His sister would go, oh, Dad, it's a bit crook. Oh, you'll be right. <laughs> It'll clear in a minute. <laughs> it's time to talk farming for Kubota. For over 40 years, Kubota's been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Love Kubota. We love their support. I'm running uh, – my farming knowledge has just about been exhausted. <laughs> what have you got? There wasn't much in there, was there? There wasn't much. Uh, what's your water pressure like down on your farm? Well, that's a very good point. Because You're not on town water, are you? No, we're on um, tank water. Yep. And it did – Drop right off, and and the hot water took a long time to come through, and then the pressure started to drop off. Filter, right? You've got to keep an eye on your filter whispers. Right? How many filters are there though? Have you got a filter at the main tank and then back yes. one up at the house as well before yes, the have. water comes inside? Yes, I have. Do you drink the water out of your tank? Yes, I do. And it's the, are you satisfied that it's okay? Well, I have a partner who is absolutely nuts about stuff like this, and she says it is the best water that she has ever drunk in her life. Have you ever tested it, though, for all 
particles and every things. time. Right, it goes in my gob. I test it and go. Yep, it's about to say it takes right. <laughs> but it did. The, so the filter itself. So yeah. when the pressure got too much, I I tried to open, <laughs> couldn't. So I thought this is a bit more complicated than I thought. So I got my plumber mate in, and it wasn't that hard. Right. Just unscrewed it and put the wheel, and the filter was filthy. Yeah. So that affects the quality of the it water. It does. It does. It's so really, you've got to maintain your filters. It's a very good tip for country people out there to yeah. check the filters. Because Susie said the last time she was down there, she said, oh, I had a bath, but it took me an hour and a half to, <laughs> an hour and a half to fill the bath. I said, why? Well, there's only a trickle of water coming out now. And what did you do? We checked the filters. Yeah, I and the filters at the faucet as well, the taps themselves. It'll and get clogged up. And the shower um, head as well. All those things in the country, right. they get clogged up over time because the water's not as clean. Mm. It hasn't been purified as much. I reckon country people would have thought of this. So it's it's good, a great tip. Good thing we've brought great it up. Tip. There, and are people, also, there are people who have got baths in their family homes in the country. That are dirtier than the actual channel water. <laughs> haven't been able to fill the bath for years. And They've what, just worked out why. What could be the other reason that your water doesn't taste great? This is another bit of advice. Well, a bird or something may have died or yeah. a possum may have Check died your in your tank. tank. Yeah. You might have a big fat if possum got, floating You've got a floating possum in there. An, I wouldn't even want to find a possum. That's another great bit of advice. Because every time... Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is a great, great bit of advice. Check got, your tank that's right, for if, some sort of dead animal, which the, might be affecting <laughs> your, the quality of your drinking water. There's your advice. Thanks to Kubota. <laughs> Right, our quick fire rabbit holes. Been a very nice addition. I like the fact that we don't know where the, the show's going. It just ends up there. So, we had the Hall of Fame last night. Yep. All worthy inductees Jimmy Bartell, Corey Enright, Sam Mitchell, Michael H., who's a South Australian McGarry medalist, um, Tom Lay, 1913 McGarry medalist from South Australia, Mark Choco Williams, and then the great Bruce McAvaney. So, how good were they? Unbelievable. Unbelievable and uh, all worth anybody that ends up in the Hall of Fame is worthy of being in there. But it's just a great reminder too, though, for, you know, we can get caught up in the here and now. It's a great reminder of people that have uh, played previously or made great contributions to the game like Bruce McAvaney did. So an opportunity for them to be acknowledged by the wider football community. I'll give you something. If you're interested in some, I watched that OJ Simpson documentary. I've been banging on about it a bit, but it's a five-parter. It's yeah. called Made in America, OJ or something. I watched it till the end. That it is more. It's one of the more fascinating and unbelievable storylines to follow. Like if you, I know at the time it was massive. Yeah. Everyone got immersed in it, but you got to go back and remind yourself how everything unfolded and the main players in it. I'll give you one bit, a little tricky one. I told you this. Right. Because who glove, was it? Who was his lawyer though? Uh, Bob Shapiro, Shapiro. and uh, Johnny Cochran. Right. So if your hand got caught in the cookie jar, you'd want either of those people to represent well, you? See, that's very interesting as well. I don't want to sound like I'm an um, expert on it, but it's fresh in my mind. So Shapiro had never been a criminal, like tried a murder case. And Johnny Cochran was like a black activist kind of, yeah, that's the way it was portrayed in this doco anyway. And they, so OJ Simpson I'll give you a quick OJ Simpson was criticised very early in his post-footy career because he then went into move and he moved to Brentwood, which is mm. a very white ca- – and mm. they said, you know, you're not you're not representing the black man, OJ. You've got this great platform. You're unbelievable, one of the greatest athletes of all time. Went into movies. Yeah, you know, he's as big right. as anyone. But he – they said he sort of immersed himself in the white world. 
Like he had all these white friends and they were, you know, movie executives and actors and all that sort of stuff. And then when he got, you know, um, charged, he they made it a... Race issue. Yes. Because mm. this is after Rodney mm. King. So Johnny Cochran that quickly realised that, you know, one of the key witnesses that they had was was a racist, had used the, the N-word and all that sort of stuff. So they, had, so they turned him into this like a black activist, you know, and then it was, oh, look at the, the, the and it was not, that was never the case. But mm. then OJ, he, mm. he immersed it to the point where, and I'll leave you with this, they went to his house. They took the jury to his house. I don't know why. And they're about to walk through and the, the prosecution went in and he had, you know, his original house had all the photos of him with all these people and they were basically 90% white people. Right up the up the you walk up the stairs and there's his brag wall. So the night before, realizing that the jury came, they took them all down and put photos of him with his black people. No, yeah, and and got some other artwork from from black uh, black artists and put it all up there. And Marsha Clark, as the prosecution walked in, and all of a sudden, just she said, "Well, I'm not taking the jury. You've changed the whole." And then they said, "No, the jury's going in, all right." So they walked in and thought, "Oh, yeah, there he is." It was incredible. Would you recommend people watch it all? Over again. I mean, you knew the story, but just to remind yourself about how it went down. 100%. Yeah. Like, I've picked up on so much stuff on the back of watching it. And he ended up going to jail. Here's another little quick one. $33 million was the civil case that he, so he got found guilty. Mm. Right? Not criminally, he got let off. Then the father of uh, the the young man who got murdered as well sued them. And he got, you know, and got a $33 million damages payout. OJ then got charged in a memorabilia thing. Like he had, he, he said someone stole his memorabilia. He went to get the memorabilia back, took a bloke with him, had a gun, yep. said, no one's leaving this room until you give him a memorabilia and all that sort of stuff. Took their memorabilia. The bloke rings the cops, said, I've just been robbed at gunpoint. He gets charged with robbery, gun, you know, armed robbery, aggravated, yep. and kidnapping because he said no one can leave the room, right? So, yeah, the experts are going, well, he's going to get two years, probably, you know. He got a 33-year sentence. Right. And they go, 33 million, 33 years. And it was all on the basis of black and white. and Unbelievable. Anyway, that's, uh, I don't know why, I watched it. It's, uh, it's worth going to have a look at. It was on Foxtel. Would you ever go to, uh, just quickly, a men's health retreat? Would you consider I've doing done something? It. Yep. I've what, done just locking one. yourself away yep. somewhere for a week I've somewhere? I've done that golden door up in um, Oh, you've done Coast. that? Yep. A mate of mine has uh, just done that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hardcore. There's, you can do hardcore or, uh, you know. Did you go hard or soft? Yeah, hard. Right. It was, so what time of the day were they waking you up? Like early, five. But it was all about. Um, Chanting? It was a vegan diet. So mm. you imagine me. Mm-hmm. Vegan diet, no, no alcohol, obviously no alcohol, no caffeine, nothing. Hardcore, five days. Did they take your phone away from you? Yep, no phone. Right. Yep. So I was lucky. I met a couple of young, there was a couple of young blokes there who were working. Right. So I sort of knocked around with them and we went, we went off on runs every morning and played tennis. Last quick rabbit hole for me. Yes or no to Kylie Minogue for the grand final. I'm a yes. Oh, yeah. I am a big yes. All right. Good. And you've got inside information because you, yes or no. you are one of the few people in this country that's got Kylie's private phone I don't number. I like talking about it. Yes, I know you don't. When's the last time you went to Chadston? 
Uh, chatty, golly. Uh, when I had to get my my watch, I couldn't work out how to wind it up, and I had to go there. And oh, see the I went there yesterday. And my lord, it's big, isn't it? <laughs> Did you get lost? Tim, it's like a city. Yes. A yes. city. Yeah. Yeah. But did you get lost? Um, no, I didn't get lost. But it wasn't. I was only at, you know why? I went, I went to get my coffee pods. Right. That's the only place I can get my right. coffee pods. How many laps did you have to do before you got recognised? <laughs> that has been the rabbit hole. No one recognised me. That's been the rabbit hole. Um, we can find us at Rabbit Hole SEN. As we're here, thanks to Tire Power Save on Toyo Passenger SUV Tires. Have a good day, Whispers. You too. This has been The Rabbit Hole with Gary Lyon and Tim Watson for Tyre Power, Australia's biggest independent tyre retailer. Keeping you safe on the roads, tyrepower.com.au. Tune in to 1116 SEN each Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday from 6 to 9am to hear SEN Breakfast with Gary and Tim.